I am your host, Michael Adams, and today I'm joined by my co-host, John Rahimi. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Michael. Yeah, it's a good good Sunday here. Gaudete Sunday to celebrate yeah, a little bit. Just one big day right now. Yeah. I see. Kind of felt bad, but I didn't really realize it until like yesterday that that's the Sunday that we were coming up on. And I was like, oh man, I can't believe we're already here. Like, no, it's moving real. It's moving really fast. I was just talking to someone the other day and it's, it's kind of wild to think that just a few weeks ago it was Thanksgiving and now it's almost Christmas. No, I feel like this is one of the quicker turnarounds between the two holidays that I've ever experienced, mainly because I'm not at school anymore. I feel like at school, like this is finals time and like the weeks would drag on because yeah. I was spending some late nights and I was doing stuff. I guess you're kind of doing school still. Um, like you're yeah. doing finals and things coming on, but maybe maybe it's a little bit different. But for me, for sure, it's like, man, just I'm not doing too much, too crazy. Like it's just, it's Thanksgiving. I have work, and then I'm off of work, and I got Christmas. It's just boom, boom, boom. Yeah, I mean, I think the the finals thing kind of helps a little bit in thinking like, okay, like working towards the end of something, and then you get to celebrate with Christmas. But even then, I think the I was talking to the one of the guys I live with and it's because we were stuck in the house for so long. And we just like, don't go out as much that you don't see like the Christmas things or like, you know, mm. the, the decorations and the shopping and a lot of whatever people do. And it's just kind of like, okay, so it's just like not on your mind as much like you're in the season, like in terms of like prayer and like the liturgy and stuff or it's definitely evident, but just kind of like, the outside sense is not there as much to like emphasize it. It's not like, Oh, like Christmas is like going to happen. The celebrations, like no one's talking about Christmas parties or getting together and all that stuff that you usually are, are seeing and hearing about as much. So it's just kind of like a much more quiet time, um, which is probably a good thing. I mean, it's been good for me at least. I, I don't mind it terribly. So it's interesting though. Cause like it is true that the lack of the buildup and the hype, has made a huge difference like it feels as if it's still like thanksgiving season for me right now mm. also it's not really that bad outside like it's yeah it's like snowing 38 there's no snow we haven't seen snow all year uh, but last week i actually went to a festival of lights in peoria with my parents uh, and that was the first time really hitting me. Like, oh man it's a uh, hey watch yourself watch the way you talk to me son um <laughs> but it, it was pretty cool to like remember that i was like oh it is christmas season like here all like the Christmas decorations and Christmas lights that I've been looking for and trying to find everyone's houses. And now there's at least some festivities going on and some excitement getting built up. Now is kind of when it hit me. It's like, okay, it's Christmas season, even if it doesn't really feel like it. Like we had the Christmas music on in the background. It's like, okay, this is happening. This is good. We're getting there. We're starting to get closer to it. Yeah, we finally put a Christmas tree up. And when I say we, I mean the pastor put a Christmas tree up in our in our living room. But it's like it's smack dab in the middle of the living room, like not in a corner somewhere. It's like right in the middle of the living room. So you kind of have to like walk around it. Um, and then we were out the other day, uh, and I got back to he had put like this sparkly silver tinsely garland kind of thing hanging from my door. Yeah. And he like taped a snowman to my door. <laughs> I think he was getting back at me for something that I did. So I don't know, but now I have to walk out through this kind of weird drape thing coming across my door every day. And I get glitter over myself every time I walk out of my door. <laughs> so that's fun. Yeah, glitter is my least favorite of the objects of decorations. I don't know why people do it. In high school, people used to do uh, glitter during like student sections and whatnot. Oh. For some reason, they thought it was hilarious to put it on me. 
and I would always just get it in my hair or on my body. I was like, I'd have to take like five showers before I could get rid of it. Even then, like I would find a piece of glitter like on my face like two weeks later. Like I have no idea how it has lasted this long. It is my least favorite decoration. And like yeah. when people give me like a card with glitter, oh dude, I, I really don't like them telling you this because you'll probably do it for me now. But no, if I, I get I, a card with glitter. It's my biggest pet peeve. Because if I did that, I would have to buy the glitter card, and then I would get glitter on myself as I try to prepare the glitter card for you. And that's like my dad at Christmas. He's he got into like he's an art artsy guy, but he got into like bows, like in tying these kind of elaborate bows on things. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, he decided I should use bows with glitter on them. So every Christmas, like there's always like I can usually get a present to my mom, and it's got this huge elaborate bow, and it's just glitter everywhere, and she unwraps it, and then it shoots everywhere, and then it's just like okay, time to clean up everything, and it's just like it's in the carpet, and you can't even like get it out, and it's like this is ridiculous. We do this every year for no reason, and no one likes it. My mom doesn't even like it, so I don't know why it does it. Yeah, no one's learning the lesson after the first couple of times. Like okay, maybe once you just did it wrong, but ridiculous. you do it like more than three times, and still. That big of a pain. Say, okay, let's retire this idea. Let's move Seriously, <laughs> enough. Like, just I mean, I'm pretty basic. Anyone who's ever gotten a gift from me can probably attest to how bad the wrapping is. But like, just some duct tape. We actually duct taped my brother Nick's Christmas present one time. We uh, he said he didn't want a basketball, or he didn't want to know he was getting a basketball, but that's what he wanted. So we bought him a basketball, and then we just duct taped it. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so you could tell that it was a basketball. <laughs> He was so mad. He was crying. He's like, "You guys are so mean." Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so now every year we buy him. A, we do something with the basketball. Yeah, that's and smart. Like one time we cut a basketball open, put like a pair of shorts that we had bought him inside the basketball, and then mm-hmm. duct taped the basketball back together, and then pumped it up, and then wrapped the basketball <laughs> again. And he was like, "Why did you get?" It was great. That's great. I rely a lot on bags um, and tinsel. Mm-hmm. Just like get mm-hmm. a bag, get a little paper, makes it look nice. Real simple on me. You yeah. don't have to worry about getting those perfect creases on the corners or anything like that. I once wrapped a, um, I think it was for the Sacristans a couple of years ago. I wrapped someone's gift in um, Kleenex because I forgot that I had to wrap it until like a minute before the party. So I quickly grabbed some Kleenex and <laughs> used some scotch tape. I think that counts though. That, that still is. Oh, that poor girl is like, are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't feel bad about that. I was actually kind of proud that I did that. It is kind of impressive that you're able to pull it off like that. that like it held together, you know, it's kind yeah. of flimsy, whatever. <laughs> it's a creative idea. Creative idea. I'll give it to you. No shame. No shame at all. Yeah, John, but, uh, you know, trying to think of a smooth transition into our topic, I have none. So I'm just going <laughs> to just blurt it out instead. Uh, this is something that's a little bit more personal to me, something that I was, I've struggled with in the past and also just in a recent reading different readings of saints, especially Catherine of Siena, who has a very intimate relationship with God the Father. Mm-hmm. And just, her dialogue is just physically conversing with him and being able to have the conversations that she had. Uh, and I remember thinking like, oh my goodness, like think of being that holy. Yeah. Like think of being like, just yeah, think of being that person right now who just can go into full ecstasy and have a full on conversation with God the Father. Like what would that life look like? Um, and I kind of actually got twisted and uh, got turned a little bit, unfortunately. It turned into this thing, which um, I kind of just dubbed it this. I don't really know if this is an official thing, but turned into some sort of like spiritual envy. Mm. Um, I I don't think it's jealousy either. It's pure envy. And we'll distinguish the difference between those two here in a bit. Mm. Um, 
but for me it was a lot of just I, I was sad that I couldn't have that or that I didn't have that I was like why doesn't that happen for me when I pray hmm. um, you know or it took me into you know I could never be that holy I could never achieve um, that amount of closeness and intimacy with the Lord and that's something that I've noticed within myself and also just with other friends and conversations um, just as a game of comparison whether it's between each other and like oh look at that person at mass like they're so bought in they're so into this like look how easy it comes for them they're able to live this virtuous life that I can't um, or it goes into even like some people get really frustrated reading the saints because again a mm-hmm. lot of writings and a lot of readings that we actually encounter about the saints makes them look like saints like we don't really focus as much on like the negative and on the bad side of it and we really just focus on their virtues we don't really necessarily talk about their struggles as often um, for a majority of the saints that today's culture is really um, obsessed with mm-hmm. so that's kind of the overarching theme I, I don't really know if you've encountered this before but for me this is something that I've felt and just based on a couple of conversations with friends maybe it hasn't been as poignant or as deeply felt but it's something that's came up in prayer of like okay like could I ever actually achieve that? And, you know, why, why am I not getting there? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's funny because it's something we talk about a lot at the seminary because you look at some of these guys, especially if you're a new person like me and you look at the, you know, the deacons or the the class behind the deacons and you're just like, Oh my gosh, these guys are really holy dudes. And they're just so like awesome. A lot of them right They're They're very generous with their time uh, in service um, whether it be like outside of the seminary or even just with guys, they're great um, hosts to the other guys when they invite them over to their rooms or if we're doing something, they're very, they're very good at like welcoming people and making you feel like you're a part of that. Um, so they just have many, like many gifts and they're obviously very holy and, you know, prayerful dudes. So you see that and you kind of go like, man, I am not like that. I do not do those things. Um, mm-hmm. So once it inspires you to go like, yeah, I, I need to grow and that's really good. So it's a cause for hope that like I have time to, to grow. Um, but at the same time, it's also a little bit frustrating. It's like, why the heck am I not there? And why do I not like feel myself urged on to that all the time? Like, why do I get complacent and lazy and just kind of like, I'm doing pretty well. And then, you know, reality check happens and you're like, oh, maybe I'm not, I need to do a little more. Um, but at the same time, I think with the, with the saints, right. I'm reading Teresa, Teresa of Avila's, uh, autobiography right now. And she makes a very like, uh, important point for the first 10 chapters of the book to just like hit on again and again how bad she is she's like please do not mistake like i'm awesome like i suck and like here's why and like goes through and like lists all these things that she does to explain why she was like not a good person um and how flawed she really was um which was really striking because you really you're like that's not that bad whatever you're doing fine um but it's cool to see like a saint who actually acknowledges like really clearly importantly like how flawed she really was. And then so that when she goes into like these great graces and gifts she's receiving from the Lord in prayer, it really is like, this is just God's gratuitous love. It's really not just like her, like, you know, with some technique being like, look what I can do. It's like, no, it's God. Just that's a gift. And I think that's for me, it's been very important to see that she's not. um, And the rest of the saints too, including this, they're not like, um, Hey, look, I developed this technique, this great thing, like quote unquote works for me. And I can then just, you know, that's why I get these beautiful insights in prayer. That's why I feel these things in prayer. It's like, nope, uh, God's actually just giving you that gift and maybe he's not giving it to, to me. So just kind of a, a good reality check. And the fact that you're not getting the same gift is not 
necessarily a bad thing either. Um, nope. And I, I really liked what you said in the beginning of, you know, sometimes when we do see others living a certain life or living in a certain way, it can act as some sort of a motivation and some sort of a hope, kind of a, a beaming light of, okay, that's the light at the end of the tunnel. In this journey, I would like to reach that. I would like to be more like that. And it can give us some areas and, okay, I can grow in patience. I can grow again, like you said, making people feel welcomed or making myself more available to people and yeah. give you concrete steps to move forward. Um, I like what you said about uh, the saints there. You know, sometimes we do read about saints and they'll acknowledge like their littleness, their, uh, their lowliness, their, you know, they'll acknowledge their weaknesses and others, uh, not that they didn't recognize them themselves, but maybe just in some like the popular writings, or if you don't really dive too deep into them and you just really kind of state like a surface level relationship with the saints, you don't really take the time to get to know them in an intimate way. Oftentimes, all we will see is like the graces and the beautiful uh, aspects of their prayer and the beautiful aspect of their relationship with the Lord. But oftentimes, again, when we do dive into these uh, saints, these figures at a more intimate level, we start to read more of their personal writings. We start to read more of their personalities come out. And we often either see them, one, acknowledge, here are all my faults, or we can even notice them just ourselves of, things that they've done, you're like, wait a second, that might not have been the right direction to go with that. So I do think that's an important distinction to make of, you know, if we're going to stay on the surface level of saints, yes, it can be very easy to think of them as these perfect characters per se. But when we go into deep, deep detail of them, some of these weaknesses and some of these flaws can come out. So that, that is definitely the first thing I wanted to emphasize is. Yeah, I mean, it's, as you were saying that, right, it's this it's the same thing we do with each other. And I think it's why it's important that like we, we continue to like talk and you allow the friendship to grow because if we don't, I mean, I can say pray to the saints, but like talk to them when you read their stuff, like, and do read it, do read what they write um, or read about them. Maybe someone else wrote it, something about them that's uh, particularly effective for you. But as you read about that saint, like mull it over and like ask for their intercession to pray with that and to like allow that what, what they're, um, what they were experiencing or the gifts that God was, was giving them uh, or what he was doing in their life, like allow that to, to sink into yours. So you kind of like you're sharing life with them as you, you know, meditate and contemplate that, that life that they lived, you start to get to know them better. And like you said, you can, you can start to point things out and be like, okay, that probably wasn't great or wow, that was really great. And that's really moving to me. And I appreciate that about that person. Um, right. Cause they're, they're alive. They're in heaven. Um, so it's still a living relationship just as we have the human relationships and friendships that we have right now on earth. Like I don't get to like know you unless I talk to you again and again and again, and think about the things that we do with the way that we interact and the things that you do and to kind of, you know, reflect on those. Mm -hmm. um, then I can start to appreciate you more. Um, and then I can start to, you know, notice those flaws in you. It doesn't make you, Oh, well, Michael sucks now. It's like, no, that's just, I start to note like, okay, that's something that Michael's not good at or, that's something that he struggles with. Okay, that that's good for me to now understand you more in a more holistic way, so I can love those areas just just as much as I love the the strength and stuff. Because um, it's easy to look at the saints and think, hey, like everything they did and wrote is perfect. Everything about them is perfect because they're in heaven. It's like, well, that's not why they're in heaven. <laughs> um, it's really not it. Like not everything they said or did was perfect. Like they're also conditioned by the culture and time that they were in. So some of the things are like, yeah, maybe that wasn't the best idea, or maybe they didn't have a full, a, a, as good of an understanding um, as we do now because of other people that God has, you know, raised up throughout the centuries to elaborate and um, 
he's shown the light of his truth in that person more than he did in the person prior to maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the development of, of doctrine that St. John Henry Newman talks about. So it's just important again, like to, as you said, get to know them because that's how we, uh, you know, can avoid this kind of jealousy or envy because we can see the flaws that they're not perfect, but you can only notice that if you actually take the time to get to know a person. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, we will, we will come back to this and you just really touched on what I wanted to talk about first here is, you know, jealousy or envy. I I was kind of curious about this too, because oftentimes I've used jealousy and envy in like a very synonymous way. Mm -hmm. I kind of liken them to being the same things. And I I was watching a couple of videos over the past couple of days and trying to find some different readings on uh, envy. Uh, And honestly, I didn't really even prepare to talk about jealousy at all, but Every time I would look up the word envy, I would find an article or I'd find a video that said jealousy versus envy. What's the difference? And I was like, oh, well, didn't really ever really take the time to think about that. There was a difference. I honestly, had I known that there was a difference, would I have named it spiritual envy still? Yes, I would have now that I know the difference. But, you know, I really was just naming it spiritual envy because it came to my mind. It could have been jealousy or envy when I first thought of it. Uh, So first, I want to make that distinction. And the first thing I want to talk about is just jealousy and what it means to actually be jealous. And uh, the best kind of definitions that I was able to find was it was a desire to possess something uh, or the desire to guard what one already possesses. Hmm. You can think of this in like relationships, like the jealous boyfriend or the jealous girlfriend. It's when their, their significant other is talking to another person or is engaged in something else. It's like, they're not jealous of the person necessarily. They're jealous because they're trying to guard what is theirs. They're trying to guard their possessions because they don't want to lose mm. that possession. Okay. The other, the other way to look at it was, of course, like to desire a possession. You see someone with a job that you want. Like, oh, I want that job. Or you see that person in a position that you want. Oh, I want that position. Um, or in like the spiritual life, it could be like, oh, I see that person living out their virtuous life. It's like, I want to live out that virtuous life. Mm-hmm. You see yeah. someone with a nice head of hair. Mm, I want that head of hair, hypothetically speaking. That's what John's thinking about me, but I'm also thinking that about him and his beard. So <laughs> we're even. <laughs> My mom got so mad at me the other day, dude. Oh, she was so mad. I went home and she's like, get rid of that stupid beard. You look like an idiot. <laughs> I love it. Don't, don't Bye, ever mom. shave. <laughs> don't ever shave. I want you to look like the guys from the, uh, uh, the what's the one, the old show that used to come on about like the duck hunters that had like the big. Beard. Oh, duck dynasty. <laughs> yeah, duck dynasty. I want, I want you to have that, that kind of beard. Um. And I think this is kind of where we can look at, and they even made the distinguishment, like not all jealousy is bad. <laughs> like mm. most, most jealousy is bad, but not all. And I think one of the ways we can look at it in affection that jealousy is not bad is kind of like what we said in the beginning of, okay, we see these people in our lives who are living out a very virtuous and holy life. We're really like, I want to live that life. I think that is a good form of jealousy. And it kind of goes into that way that you were thinking, this is some sort of motivation for us to take steps forward and to live mm-hmm. a more virtuous life ourselves. And that can be twisted into good. Oftentimes, obviously jealousy is not in a positive light and often is twisted and can be a lot of greed that's intertwined with it. But there's a big difference between what jealousy and envy is and first define envy because it is in a similar vein, but there's one distinct difference in it. And that is the feeling that it actually makes us have in our chest now. Um, with jealousy, we're not necessarily feeling much as this more of kind of like, oh, I want that, just a, a desire, a longing. Mm-hmm. Whereas envy, it's a sadness that we don't possess what someone else possesses. Um, mm. And it's a sadness when someone possesses something that we want, 
um, or a sadness that someone else has a gift that we do not have. And I think that is the biggest distinction is uh, sad, the sadness and the feeling that it brings about us. Because when we look at a saint, we see their prayer life. And if it motivates us and we want that, that's great. That's beautiful. But if it makes us sad, it makes us go inside of ourselves and say, it's, I'm so disappointed that I am not able to achieve that. I'm so sad that they have that and I don't. Why don't I have that? Mm. And these kinds of things. That is very different feeling and it is much more destructive feeling and it does not help build anything of virtue within our hearts yeah i mean it's it's like um i don't remember who said this but oh you know it's probably five mike schmitz he's got a video on it but everyone talks about this right you don't um as a christian have the the right to you know throw yourself a pity party and wallow in that um but i think that's kind of what you're talking about when you if we fall into spiritual envy you have that sadness of soul being like oh i don't want to have that i wish i had that i'm so sad now and you're kind of like oh woe is me i'm so bad and this sucks and if i just nah, 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 you know mm-hmm. you kind of just get in that that mode and kind of moping around um internally and just navel gazing then about how bad you are or your flaws or how things would be better if you had that thing and um then you could be happy and joyful again um yeah that's a real feeling i think uh, most people can probably relate to that I think, again, going back to what you said about uh, the idea of, you know, if we're going to call this, what can I distinguish it? Spiritual jealousy, but in like a good fashion where you're seeing someone motivates you and it brings about change in your own heart. Yeah. And we can look at the fruit of that compared to the fruit of spiritual envy. And the fruit of that, again, is motivation and it is more than likely a more virtuous life for you. And it's more than likely you taking steps forward to dive deeper into a relationship with Christ. Whereas the fruit of spiritual envy is going to be destructive. Oftentimes it's going to be, I'm already so far gone. There's no chance I have here. I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to step away and I'm going to walk away from this. Um, Or it's, oh, God loves them more than he loves me. Why does he see them in that fashion? Obviously he doesn't want me the same way he wanted them. So again, then you start, your vision of God is twisted. And this just compounds on itself and it just leads us further and further away from Christ. Yeah, that's... um... This just reminded me of a quote uh, from, oh, I think I have the book here. Yeah, whatever. I have it written down um, from St. Augustine in his book called On Christian Doctrine. Um, it's not talking about the same thing, but I think it's it's applicable just because of the fruit that happens, right? I think it's, mm-hmm. it's linked to sort of despair um, that moves you to that place. Like, well, I'm already so far gone, right? Like, yeah. what hope do I have of, of maintaining? So he says... Um, this particularly in terms of like, if you're looking at your sins, not necessarily like seeing like how good they have it, but I think you do in, in seeing how good someone else is, especially a saint, you come to see your own sins a little bit more clearly. Um, but he says, uh, for he who does not believe that his sins can be pardoned, falls into despair and becomes worse as if no greater good remained for him than to be evil when he has ceased to have faith in the results of his own repentance. So we start to see like, okay, uh, even though I try really hard and all these things, I still don't have what this person has. Um, maybe like, I'm never going to have that. I start to despair. And all I have left as he's saying is, well, if there's, if I can't have that, then, you know, might as well just be evil because I'm stuck down here anyway. And that looks a hell of a lot better than, you know, trying to be good and failing can continuously. I might as well just enjoy what's around me. Right. It's kind of like scratching a living out, uh, in the darkness rather than trying to move towards the move towards the light um 
and even to that point, right, is that Paul says where uh, sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And I was thinking about that, like we often see that as like, oh, I mean, it is a good thing, right? But in a different way, I was thinking about it as, as we move closer to Christ, um, or like, in, especially through the saints and, and getting to know them more, like the more clearly um, our sin, quote unquote, uh, is abounding because our we're closer to grace. So grace is abounding all the more as we move closer to there. Our sin seems to be bigger because the light of grace is now shining much more clearly on us as we move closer, like the intensity is greater. So the sin starts to like look really big and like it glares out a heck of a lot more than it did before when it was darker. Like it's not as stark of a contrast when it's still dark, but as you get closer, it's like, wow, that's really like, that's really standing out. So you can fall into this kind of envy being like, why do I have that? I want that. I want that purity. I want that, uh, you know, greatness of soul. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't really word that any better. And I actually had, uh, Augustine underlined under my paper as I yeah. talk about with this too. And you kind of already hit on the head exactly what I was going to bring up, um, which is just ironic that we were so in tune there. <laughs> but again, something that kind of came to mind, and this actually was a reflection based on something that I heard yesterday. Uh, I was in a wedding yesterday. I was a groomsman in uh, one of my high school best friend's weddings. It was beautiful to witness the marriage. And you know, they were talking about a couple different things. And uh, one of the things that was talked about is just kind of things from the past that have haunted us. I think oftentimes with spiritual envy, this is something that comes up. We oftentimes, again, like our own sinfulness is magnified and we see all the things, like the little things that we do that offend God. We also go back in the past and say, oh man, like look at how I behaved five years ago or look how I behaved 10 years ago or you can reflect even 25 years ago, that one situation that really still haunts us. Um, and they did talk about this and they're saying, you know, some of these things in a relationship, only you know about yourself. Mm-hmm. only you at the bottom of your heart know truly how you know evil you are per se you know there's so much stuff that's hidden within our heart you know not everyone in our life has been present to see us do that or do this and oftentimes that compounds on itself and again we look at ourselves like look how evil i am how could i ever achieve something like that or you know if god really wanted me to be that close to him i wouldn't struggle with this you know, these saints never struggled with the same things that I'm struggling with. So obviously this life is not meant for me. And I think it's again, interesting because what was emphasized was not the fact that there was sinfulness in the past, because obviously that's true for everyone. What was emphasized was it was something hidden within our own hearts between us and God only. And it made me think, you know, we often think about that ourselves, but how much more true is that also with the figures of which we look to like the saints or like that one person who sits in the front row of mass and appears just to be constantly praying 24 seven in their life. Um, or those, those guys or those girls that we look up to in our lives that have really been spiritual mentors to us. There's no exception to those feelings of lowliness and those feelings of sinfulness. And there's no exception to a single person who is not doing something or has not done something in the past hidden to the world's view that they know inside themselves that was wrong. Or was not of God. It just really made me reflect again on just how the saints truly were in their lives. That you know we see them as these exemplified holy figures, but in reality, they probably had the exact same things going on. Just most of it is hidden to our view because again, we are not 
talking to them on a daily basis, like you and I are here, and we're not able to share in that. Um, and even between you and I, I'm sure there's things in both of our lives that we don't know just because there's things that are hidden. It just made me kind of, it brought me some sort of peace of knowing, okay, there, there's probably many, many things that have occurred in each one of these figures' lives that if I would have done myself, I'd probably be looking back on saying, ah, shouldn't have done that. It, it brought me some sort of peace of knowing these aren't perfect people that we're speaking about. These are flawed individuals, and that's something that no mortal can avoid. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, Augustine, uh, I think in the same book or elsewhere, talks about like, it's not going to happen until we you know, finally get to heaven. So either through purgatory or like whatever grace of God, like not until after this life, do we achieve that perfection like, that we're hoping for? It's, it's beyond us. Um, which is again, like why we need to, why Advent's so important. It's like, it's, it's not about this life. It's about what comes after. Um, but I think too, like going off your, your marriage, uh, imagery with that, right? Like there are certain relationships in our lives that are different than the ones that we kind of engage in, uh, every day. Um, so that'd be with, you know, a spiritual director. Um, I guess if you're married and your wife, you're engaging that every day, but the point is it's a different relationship. So you share more intimately with them, your spouse or your spiritual director, um, than you would say with like a friend, even if they're their best friend, um, there's a privileged space there that isn't for the, uh, that, that person. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's there for their, for their spouse and for their spiritual director, even the spouse like that, that takes a proper discernment around like, when do I share this? What do, what do I share? Like how much have I actually gone through this with God? So it leads to the point saying like with God, there needs to be a certain space where um, it's like all the saints talk about in in their writings, like it's that inner, that inner room, even Christ says this in, in the gospel, right? And he's talking to them, like, go to your inner room, close the door and pray in secret. Like it's that secretness that like only God knows. And we need to be okay with that. We're like, not everyone needs to know that I have all these issues and problems. Um, but I know I, I definitely started that in college being like, I need to, people need to know my, my weaknesses, my vulnerabilities, like then that will, you know, foster a greater sense of uh, intimacy and relationship with those people. But really that's, that's reserved for mostly for God. Like you can share those if it, if it will help them and it's, you know, it needs to come up, that's fine. But for the most part, that's a place where God knows alone and we ought to share with him alone. Like, Hey Lord, here it is. Because that helps us to see in reality, like you said, the lowliness, the weakness, the flawedness, all of those things, like no human can escape that because we're all sinners. Um, right. The righteous man sins seven times a day as we hear like, okay, great. <laughs> no matter how righteous I get, I'm still going to sin. But then I can recognize how lowly I am. And it's those people that we see in our lives who are praying constantly and who just have that joy about them. Right. And even the saints that we read about, um, they have that joy about them, I think precisely because they do go to that inner room. They go to the depths of their heart to be with God and to show him the foundational, just the weakness and the poverty that they have there and their lowliness that they can be just so joyful and at peace because they're not the ones trying to control and take for themselves and get that thing. Like they're just, I will receive whatever you wish to give me. I trust wholly in you that I can get that um, from you when I need it. Um, and you'll provide. So it's, and it's again, like it's very Marian. It's a Marian disposition. Like she is, we just prayed this, I think the other day for our lady of Guadalupe, but she is the honor of our race. The highest honor of our race is the blessed mother. 
So why not look to her as an example to see someone who understands her loneliness um, and received the fullness of, of grace into herself. Um, mm-hmm. Like that's a pretty good example to follow, but she was so poor. I mean, she was joyful though, even in her poverty and even in her weakness, it wasn't a cause for despair. It was like, no, like how great is it that I'm so lowly and yet still chosen and still given whatever God has desired for me. Like, it's just, a, it's a beautiful example to reflect on. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more there that. Yeah. I'm actually kind of reflecting on it right now. It's beautiful. Um, so thank you, John. But, you know, one of these things is we always think about, you know, we have these clarifications that we're giving. And I think that's good. I think we're trying to fix this and kind of be rid of this idea of spiritual envy in our hearts and our minds. And it's good to kind of make the decision. Okay. This is the proper way to view people. And this is the reality about it, that people are not perfect. And this envy that we're feeling is oftentimes because we don't see the full picture that everyone else is feeling. Um, but for someone like myself, oftentimes I need concrete steps of, you know, what is the fix? And maybe that's good or bad. Uh, it's been frustrating many times in my life. But either way, I always am kind of looking for what is the concrete fix? How do I overcome this thing in my life? And it, after researching, two things came to mind initially and kind of exemplify themselves as possible ways to combat spiritual envy. Uh, the first is humility. And the second is gratitude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. You sound yeah. like you have a lot to say about that. I'm no, I, just, I was just very happy. Like those are, amen. Like those are, I think that's it. I think that's the answer. But I'm curious to see what, uh, what that look, you know, what does that look like? We always say, what does it look like to, to be grateful? What does it mean to be humble? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it can be molded in different, very many different ways. For me, I'll, I'll start with gratitude initially. And the way I kind of view it is a friendship. Or, you know, like, I think of it as like, honestly, we're this Christmas season. So we'll go with the whole Christmas season. Uh, it's Advent. <laughs> okay. It's Advent. Um, <laughs> we're preparing for Christmas. And uh, oftentimes there are gifts given around that time. Yeah. Um, but essentially, if I were to give someone a gift today, like if I were to give you a gift, John, and you just kind of looked at it and it's me. I gave a lot of effort and thought, and I, was like, I really think John would love this gift. And I give it to you. You're like, man, I mean, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But I saw you get, I saw you get married <sighs> something a lot nicer. Yeah. Why didn't you get me that? Like, yeah, what's don't, you hold, that? don't you hold me in the same regard you do her? Where's and my be like, beautiful necklace? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, ah, I mean, I do, but it, it, there's differences in those relationships. Right. And I, the next year, I would be less inclined to give mm. you anything. I, I would be less inclined to actually give you something that I really truly put thought into. And it would mean less to me when I'm picking out a gift for John or Hemi. I'd say, well, he didn't appreciate the time and effort and the thought I put into the last one. So I'm not going to waste my time doing that. I'm going to just give him whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, not that God struggles with that same thing that I'm talking about myself versus my pride <laughs> being like, how dare he not appreciate me? Um, but I think of it in friendship. If I am not grateful for those small things those small gifts why would i ever have the desire to give or if you were not grateful apologize if you were not grateful for that small gift why would i ever have the desire to give you a greater gift Um, yeah you'd start you'd keep giving little gifts until that built up or like you wouldn't give anything yeah exactly and i think of the same thing with like christ i think of in relationship with him oftentimes we're given these smaller gifts initially and even if you look at the saints who have gotten great gifts and some of them great gifts at a very young age, which is really incredible. But even when you read about them as children, they had such great faith as children. Um, And there's small gifts given initially 
Mm-hmm. It's never just random day out of the blue. You just get this huge, incredible gift all at once of faith. There's just yeah. everything's different for the rest of your life. It always comes in waves. And I think it's different because we oftentimes just look for the big one and we think of that as the only gift. We think of everything else that we're receiving is just like sustenance to keep us going. Yeah. And when in reality, we have to start looking at these small gifts and being so grateful we've even been able to receive the small gifts, knowing that there are people who have not received the same gifts in our life, that there are people for us, maybe it's the saints who have received gifts that we have not, or it's people like people that we look up to that have not received the gifts or that have received the gifts that we have not. But in turn, more than likely there's people that are younger than us, whatever are earlier on in their spiritual development who look to people like yourself and say, I want the gift that he has. <laughs> they just desire that gift. And it's funny to somebody like you or I who are like, ah, yeah, I don't know if you do at times. <laughs> but um, I think that's just an interesting perspective to look at it of just a greater appreciation for the smaller gifts and a less, less focus on that big, shiny diamond at the end of the road. Yeah, dude, no, that's... <laughs> I'm glad you're like, it's, it's true. Like we... Uh we think we know what we want and we think we want the big, just all of it. I want it all now. Mm -hmm. Um, But right. The Lord knows us much better than we know ourselves. So I think, right. Looking at humility and gratitude, they play right into each other. Like you have to have a disposition of humility in order to be grateful in this, in this way. It's like, that's where our part comes in. Right. Cause it's not just like, okay, God does everything. We have no part to play. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, like God asks us to cooperate and we need to cooperate. So humility is the way that we can. Um, actually, I mean, I was, I had this, uh, reflection that I'll share, but, um, yeah, it was, it was a personal thing, but, um, just like before the cross, right. Just imagine like, wow, here's Jesus, like this ultimate example of like giving himself and I, I'm, I'm not there. So kind of being like envious of Jesus, like that sadness hit you like, I don't have that. And I'm never going to live up to that. Um, and then just like wanting to receive like what he was giving, like imagine like the, the you know, the blood pouring out from his side, like that's where mm-hmm. you find nourishment in life. And I just found myself so incapable of even like, even that, even the smallest drop, like I couldn't even catch that. Like I couldn't even hold it in my hands and it was falling to the ground. And it was like, Oh gosh, like now that's on me. Um, and so like, okay, how do I even, you know, receive this smallest drop of, uh, life from the Lord, from his side. And what came was like this urge or like just movement, like, Hey, look to your, look to your side here. And who is there, but Mary uh, waiting. And she's like, okay. And I, I used to have this crucifix. I lost that actually when I was on retreat over the summer, which kind of bummed me out. Um, but it's Jesus on the cross, Mary next to him, holding the chalice up to his, to his pierced side and the blood's pouring out into the chalice. So she's catching it in the cup. And that was the image that I had was that, she had the chalice and she was the one who could receive it, whatever that needed to be for me. And then as a mother feeds her child would then give me that drink, um, the proper amount. Like it wasn't just me like guzzling it down. It was like, no, here's like what my son wants to give you. Like, and I will offer that to you. Um, I've been doing the Marian consecration that probably helped kind of draw that out for me, but like just the, the attitude of humility that like I needed to have to be like, okay, I can go through Mary and like, she will help me as a mother helps her son, like receive what I need to receive. And I can be content and then savor that sweetness instead of being like, all right, now give me more. I want more. It's like, no, let's, let's receive and like savor that, 
that one little drop even um, of what, what's been given to me really like chew on that and, and hold it close um, until then the next gift is given. Maybe it's a bigger portion. Maybe it's the same, just a little bit at a time. Um, and each drop is, is to be savored and held on to instead of just like, okay, I want more now. I want more now, you know? Yeah. So I think that was a, it was a good moment for me. Yeah. There's two things that come to mind. First is like the idea of humility of just being able to lean on another mm-hmm. to help guide yeah. them. Oftentimes I think we just have this idea of we need to earn it. We just need to pick ourselves up and just do everything in our power to earn it. And we think that if we lean on someone else to help facilitate this growth, it's a weakness. Uh, so I think one, it's a really just beautiful imagery of being able to lean on Mary. And the second one that I kind of thought of was, you know, you're talking about building drop by drop, you know, just taking time to savor that drop. And could be, you know, you're trying to catch it all, but you, you can't. And I kind of thought of, again, just in that idea of like, John, if you wanted a house right now, like Michael, I want you to gift me a house. Um, I could gift you all. How'd you know? <laughs> I could gift you all the supplies you need to build a house, like the wood, uh, the windows, the the flooring, all of those things. But you could do nothing with those supplies unless I first didn't give you all the necessary tools that could go along with it to actually put mm. the house together. House is a big idea. I should have just gone for like. <laughs> but either way, we're still rolling with it. You couldn't actually do anything to put anything together though, unless I didn't first give you smaller gifts of tools, nails, a hammer, a drill, these kinds of things. And I think it's just beautiful. We think of oftentimes we want that big gift, but we wouldn't be able to really do anything with it even if we did get it because we have to first build on top of those small gifts. And those small gifts are really just the preparation to actually go forward and achieve that uh, larger goal. Um, and it's even like, again, going with the house, if I gave you everything you needed for the house, you wouldn't know what to do. You'd say, I have all this surprise, right. but like, what's the first step I do? And it's just, there has to be some sort of development and it has to be slow. It can't just be one instantaneous moment. It has right. to be just a slow development and build up. Yeah. I'll, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll finish this with these two thoughts, but um, one to the slowness, right? God is patient. This has been coming up more and more um, for me recently, but like he is patient. Um, and for whatever reason, I've just always like ignored that or thought like, oh, maybe he's like kind of changed and he's, he's decided to pick up the pace a little bit. Yeah. Like just read the Bible and like, he is so patient and allows like for the preparation, like he is preparing for the Lord's coming, the first, like the initial of the incarnation for thousands of years, thousands of years. Like that's always in his mind. That's where this is headed. And he allows all of these things to happen, all of this stuff to go through and like to prepare his people for the coming of the Lord. And that's just like wild. Like, I mean, you read the genealogy of Jesus, like that just gives you a sense of like how long this was. And you're just yeah. like, oh, okay. Like he's really patient. So yeah, there needs to be a preparation time, like to get us ready to, to do this thing. Like then we'll be able to build the house as your example says. Um, but two, right. I, if I don't have a disposition of humility in that, I think, um, and understand that I'm going to have to put in a little like effort here and that it's not my house. Like you designed it, you've given it Mm -hmm. and I'll follow through with the instruction rather than thinking, uh, I just want the house built already. Like that's all I could think of was like, why don't you just build me the house before? And why the heck do I have to like put it together myself? Why don't you just make it for me? It's a gift. Um, it should be easy. It should be simple. But if I have a disposition of humility being like, no, like I'm going to cooperate in this and like share in this gift with the person who offered it. Um, and this kind of creation, this creativity, 
then uh yeah i mean if i'm if i'm wanting it to just be built by myself and i probably will not actually want to build it if you give me like little things i'll be like well i didn't even want the house in the first place whatever like i don't need it so we do that a lot with god like he'll give us the small gift and it's like well i wanted you to like you know make it happen quicker i don't want it anymore forget it yeah like i'll do my own thing i'll find another way it's like ooh, <laughs> big mistake big mistake it's like no we gotta stay stay close to the lord and recognize like no my ways are not your ways so i will trust that you have a plan here and that you're giving me a great honor to participate in the in the gift you've given like to share in that with you and he wants to share it with us like that's kind of cool yeah I, I couldn't agree more there but yeah that's that's all i had for today's spiritual envy discussion john did you have anything else um nope just uh hang in there in these last two weeks of Advent. Um, it's coming to the end here, but yeah, I think just keep, keep recognizing the Lord is, uh, is coming close and that closeness is um, a cause for hope, not for like panic. <laughs> like yeah. it's a good thing. It's a good distinction because I think there's a lot of panic going on. So glad yeah, you, glad you said something. Um, but yeah. Thank you everyone for listening. Again, if you ever have any questions, concerns, comments, feel free to reach out to us at thecatchcc at gmail.com. We will be praying for you guys. Please pray for us. And real quick, before we let you go, I have two little announcements. The first is if you're still looking for a great Christmas gift, um, although it is Advent where there is a preparation for the Christmas (laughs) celebration as well. Nice. um, If you're looking for a good Christmas gift, uh, go check out our friends over at Bishop Sheen Rosaries. They have some great uh, high quality stuff over there. I'll have the link posted in the description below and you can even use a little code called catch 10 for a 10% discount. So go check that out as soon as possible. And lastly, if you are struggling with pornography or the addiction to pornography, make sure to check out Covenant Eyes using the link in the description below. Uh, They have plenty of resources, both free and paid that you can go check out. They offer um, web monitoring systems, books, readings, videos, all of these things. Go make sure to check them out and help find some peace and some delivery from those uh, addictions. And yeah, that's that's really all I have. So uh, make sure to subscribe to The Catch on whatever podcast provider you're listening to. Until next time, I'll talk to you guys later. Adios. Bye.